You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on 7.50 a.m. WNDZ. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I am Timothy Johnston from Liturgy Training Publications. I am in the studio here in the Quigley Center of the Archdiocesan Pastoral Center. And Timothy's remote. We're practicing social distance. (laughs) We are. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well as I'm doing well, too. We are here every fourth Wednesday of the month, and our show is centered on all of the corporate, communal, public rights of the Church. We talk about the liturgical seasons, which we may get to today. We talk about various uh, sacraments. We talk about uh, all of the elements that make up the liturgy and really the the full liturgical life of of the Church. Right, Timothy? We do, and we have a good time doing so. We've had some great conversations the last few months. The uh, the term liturgy geek has been applied to this show many, many times. <laughs> yes. My students used to say that about me as well. Right. <laughs> Today, uh, Timothy, I wanted to um, do a little exploration. You and I talked in prep for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are now in what? I want to say the 18th or 19th week of um, the... Corona epidemic. Um, for that many weeks, uh, we have been working remotely from home. Many of us, uh, I think, uh, different agencies are just now starting to allow people to come to work. But even uh, Sunday is still under the protocol, the health mm-hmm. protocol uh, for COVID nineteen, and we've made mention of it on, uh, on, on our show. But you, you and I talked last week in prep for this and thought that one of the things that we'd like to do, particularly for the listeners, um, who many of whom have been, um, have been registering for Sunday Mass or who, who have been to various uh, celebrations uh, at their parish as their parish has started to reopen. Um, but but uh, under the protocols that we have and some of the limitations, um, you and I had an interesting conversation about maybe breaking open some of these aspects of the, the reopening that many dioceses are dealing with, um, but, to, but to break some of those elements open and maybe try to make some, some theological, some spiritual uh, connections. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, and I think in some ways even maybe somewhat connected to our conversation uh, last month is is how to read the sign and the symbol in, in a theological way, like that you can meditate upon whether you're participating fully in Mass uh, by attending, or if you're still participating uh, through live stream um, or some other way, you, you have an opportunity to really 
break these open and reflect on them and what they mean for you in this time. Yeah. Just like we would with liturgical texts. Exactly. Just a reminder to those who were here with us last month, and just an FYI, if you weren't, uh, last month we had uh, Sister Joyce Ann Zimmerman, an author of a new book, um, Deep is the Mystery, right? How Deep the Mystery, yeah. And it was all about um, uh, praying with and breaking open and uh, really looking at the liturgical texts of the Mass, so the, the, the texts that are in the Roman Missal that... Uh, both the the presider and the uh, the whole liturgical assembly use and 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 that point uh, the, the focus of that uh, Timothy like you just said was to 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 really take a uh, to look at those texts through a particular lens and what we wanted to do today was to look through look at some of these um, reopening protocols through a spiritual lens through a a, a theological lens if you will to to help the listeners make some connections that they may, might not otherwise mm-hmm. make. Huh? That's right. Yeah, and, uh, there's great things to break open, um, even though we're in this unique time still. And and it's still new for a lot of people, as, as we are going back, as you said. You know, a lot of people are having to register um, for a particular Mass time, and not everybody is able to go because of uh, the restrictions. Um, and so hopefully... Um, as we are navigating these waters together, uh, we are patient with one another, patient with uh, not only our neighbor in, in the pew near us, um, but certainly the priests and, and all of the ministers uh, who are, are working very diligently to make sure we have a safe space to pray in um, so that we can be together. The, the, the setting the stage, if you will, um, might help just a little bit here. Uh, we do have some listeners outside of the Archdiocese of Chicago, but largely the dioceses in this region all work together uh, in, in regard to the health protocols. And and maybe, Timothy, just to start kind of preeminently to mention, all of these are out of an abundance of caution. All of these are in place um, really uh, out of the cardinal virtue of of prudence and and care for one another and safety. Yeah, I mean that's that is definitely what I think. Even across the country, not even in our region, just in our region. But you know, we come to this um, as people of faith, and we come to it uh, trusting that those who are working to prepare um, these spaces for us are doing that in order that we are cared for, and we do that. Yeah, like you said, with prudence. Um, certainly with compassion and, and faith that we have, because uh, we, we certainly want to do the best that we can to be present to one another and present uh, in the Eucharistic liturgy. I know that uh, the bishops in, in our province, uh, the dioceses of Illinois, um, are, are committed to that and actually see these um, right. health protocols as a, um, a, a respect life issue. I mean, this, this, is, this is taking care of of the um, the most vulnerable, uh, this is taking care of all of our brothers and sisters in the face of this of, of, of this worldwide pandemic. And it's it, it it's about it's about taking you know Christian charity and 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 loving our brothers and sisters. Yeah, and I, I, I you made me think of something, and I don't know if it fits here exactly, um, but I was talking to a, a friend of mine recently who is a doctor, and. He, he helped me kind of have an insight because, you know, between my own family and 
other folks that I have ministered with over the years, you know, I've heard various feelings about masses being suspended or now that we're going back and whatnot. And, and he said to me, and I think this was just helpful for me to think about in terms of even the mass, as, our, as we are charitable um, when we are with one another in this circumstance. And he said, Timothy, one of the things is this is a new virus. It's, it's brand new. And as scientists, we're constantly discovering new things. And so any way that we can be charitable, and that's why, you know, if, if protocols change in the coming weeks or in the coming months, know that it's always going to be done in light of the most recent scholarship research based on what we're learning about this new virus and always with you in mind um, as we want to be charitable and ensure the safety of God's people um, yeah. inside and outside the church. And so I think it's important for us to remember that it, it is a new virus. It's a new experience for all of us, even though we've been with it for a few months now or several months. Um, but, but things still may progress and change, and, and there has to be some flexibility as, as we are learning in this together. So I, I love that prudence, charity, keeping those, those in mind as, as we gather. Together. Right, right. And I, and I think that most parishes uh, in, um, in, in, the, in the listening distance of, of this show, mm-hmm. uh, I think most parishes find themselves in similar situations. So yes. uh, last month in June, uh, most of our dioceses opened up uh, the churches again. They had been closed for a good number of weeks at the very beginning of this pandemic. Uh, the various dioceses uh, issued particular guidelines um, in the beginning, uh, in, in uh, June, early June. There were um, celebrations allowed with no more than 10 people, and they were uh, select celebrations. They were the ones that, if you will, have been on hold for the longest with the shutdown. So like infant baptisms, right? People who were waiting to have their babies baptized or confession uh, or weddings, people who had their wedding. So there were a select number of celebrations allowed, but they were all under, uh, they were all for uh, less than 10, pe- 10 people or less. There were and continue to be specific um, uh, physical protocols, keeping social distance, hand sanitization, the, the use of masks. Then around mid-June, again, for most parishes in our listening area, they were able to increase the number of people who could participate, and they increased the uh, number of celebrations that a parish could, uh, could uh, have. Uh, Sunday Mass, for example, uh, with a, uh, a number, a percentage, a certain percentage of uh-huh. the seating capacity of the church building. Now, that will vary from parish to parish because the number of seats in each church building is different. And so the, uh, uh, the, the civil guidelines and uh, speaking here for the Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, the uh, percentage was determined to be between 15 and 20 percent of the seating capacity. That's the number of people that could come in for Sunday Mass. Uh, confirmations, which had been canceled. Uh, in the early weeks of the uh, pandemic were uh, allowed to be rescheduled under these guidelines. First communions were allowed to be scheduled under these guidelines. Uh, The celebration of the sacraments of initiation for those who were looking forward to the Easter vigil uh, are are now able to be celebrated. uh, Again, uh, under particular uh, protocols. Um, and, And, Timothy, I think it's important for the listeners 
that not all parishes had to do this, um, but were able to do it in as much as they have the resources to do so. Right, right. So um, there, there is a, a, a huge uh, need for trained ushers and uh, greeters uh, who can help uh, manage the, the, the people that are coming in, who can guide them to their seats, who can offer them hand sanitization, um, who can uh, uh, help them during the uh, procession to communion, for example. So a parish needs to have a good, solid number of volunteers. Um, and some parishes just aren't able to provide that. And so right. they, they might, may not be in the same place as a, a neighboring parish, for example. So, I mean, even through all this conversation, I think those kinds of, and, and that's so fluid, isn't it, Timothy? So, right. like you were talking earlier, that it's, 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 it's like there, there can be changes on a continual basis. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, why we need so much patience with one another, because everyone is really working, um, even the volunteers, those that are, are stepping forward and putting themselves um, in a position because they know how important it is. So those ushers, those greeters who are being trained, um, and, and I think one of the things I've really appreciated even here in the Archdiocese, because my family lives in, in, in different places around the country, so I'm hearing lots of different stories, um, and I just I appreciate so much the diligence um, and the clarity with which the guidelines came forward from the Archdiocese here to help. And I think you're, you're, throughout the whole state of Illinois, as the bishop, as you said, worked together, um, I think there was much intention um, in, in doing that. And so, And I know that they'll have individuals uh, be attentive to those things as we learn uh, more things, yeah. as national guidelines change, um, as regional guidelines change, whatever it might be. Um, you know, to help us. And so uh, it's, it's been definitely a blessing uh, to, to see all that. And the hard work of, of all the ministers still. I mean, it's been really inspiring to hear, again, just more anecdotal stories, but, you know, of the pastor down the street here um, who's still connecting with people, I and mean, he's still reaching out, and we're doing so all throughout the, uh, uh, the shelter-in-place. And now that masses have started up, he's still trying to reach out to those who maybe aren't registering to come, right. and making sure that the poor, you know, the the food pantry and stuff like that, that people in our neighborhood still have what they need in appropriate ways, and connecting with local um, resources and officials to ensure that 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 can happen. And so it's just really inspiring to see parish parish communities still doing the work that that needs to be done just in a different way. The, the mission still continues, right? Yes. Hey, we're going to take a break here, Timothy. When we come back, uh, let's maybe take a look at some of the real specifics about these uh, reopening protocols. Stay with us. Great. We'll be right back after these messages. inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. 
Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass is a wonderful tradition that gathers more than 300 seniors from Chicago and its suburbs each year for a celebration of faith and friendship. Since public health guidelines do not allow us to meet in person this summer, the 2020 Senior Unity Mass will be held online on Thursday, August 6th at 11 a.m. Anyone age 55 plus is cordially invited. Find your nearest computer and log in to youtube.com, then type Catholic Chicago. We and our special guests are excited to stay connected to all of the seniors we care so very much about with this special event. That's the Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass on August 6th at 11 a.m. on youtube.com slash catholicchicago. We hope to see you there. Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on 750 AM WNDZ. We're an element of programming for... Catholic Community of Faith. I'm Todd Williamson. And I'm Timothy Johnson. I am here in the studio. Timothy is remote. Uh, But we decided that for uh, the topic of this show, we wanted to uh, really look at the... where we are, where we are right now as a church in this nation, particularly in this region of the country and in the province of the dioceses of Illinois in regard to the guidelines, the liturgical sacramental guidelines for continuing to gather to worship in the midst of this pandemic. And Timothy, uh, just to remind the the listeners, I'm... uh, I'm, I'm sure the guidelines have been discussed on other radio shows here in the Archdiocese. Certainly, uh, uh, I know other um, national radio shows have explored them. Uh, I know that we hear a lot about them on TV. Mm-hmm. And this isn't as much as, you know, um, uh, making sure that people know what the guidelines are. Um, by and large, I think we're becoming more and more familiar with these guidelines. Our purpose was to maybe kind of 
uncover, do kind of dig a little deep and, and to make some connections. And, and I think real connections, not just hyperbolic or not just, you know, false ingenu- disingenuous connections just to make us feel good. But I think I think that there is some I think there is some real um, spiritual truths that we can identify behind many of these guidelines. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree. I think it, all of these are opportunities uh, for us to really step back and, and to reflect on what what can this mean for our lives. Yes, this, what can this mean now, right? Yeah, in, in this time, in this place, right. It's the experience we have at, right now. And and so we, we step back and and uh, break that open. I know one of the things we, we mentioned um, just in our preparations was like the sign of peace. And I don't know if we're going to jump in there, but but those types of things, what does it mean to gather? What does it mean to share peace? What does it mean um, at this time to uh, be receiving um, the Eucharist, but maybe not from the cup? Um, you know, how does that affect and inform um, our faith life and help us enter in more deeply, or can it help us enter more deeply into the Eucharistic mysteries? Oh my gosh, yeah. And and as you said, maybe maybe making some connections that our listeners or that the average Catholic might not make in regard to these situations. You, you, may, you just made a great point, uh, Timothy, and that's the idea that the liturgy is never celebrated in a vacuum, right? I mean, the liturgy is never separated from our human lives at that moment that we enter into the liturgies. It's not separated from that, but that it brings all of that into it, the liturgy does. Yeah, just as you were saying that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what what wisdom from uh, the Second Vatican Council even, um, in the sense of, you know, we can't just live in the 14th century in terms of our liturgical celebration. It is a living, active um, we are doing it, you know, we're doing it now. Um, and so we have to do it within the context in which we are living now. And, and you know, we can be informed by the past and, and hope for the future, of course, but it's, it's now. And every time we gather, it's always with the angels and the saints and all of creation who are singing out in, in, in praise and thanksgiving to God. But it's in the current context of our culture, um, our personal lives, our familial lives, all of those things. So yeah, what a, what a beautiful thing to think about. Right, that. where we are in society, where we are in the world yeah. right now. Yeah, it's not that we are celebrating in spite of the pandemic. It's that, right. <laughs> it's that we're celebrating within the midst of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, 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 th- and we bring that into the liturgy. And, and, and maybe, Timothy, maybe let's take a, 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 a few specifics. And I think you just kind of alluded to one. One of the things that we made mention at the very beginning, just setting the stage, is that there are limited numbers of people allowed in the building for any celebration. And so initially, on, on the surface, we look at that as a loss. And, and yes, in many ways it is. But maybe for the listeners, one of the things that that I think we can do is is even just kind of look deeper and say, even in those limited numbers, 15 to 20 percent of the seating capacity of a mm-hmm. church, that is still the body of Christ gathered together in this space at this moment to enter into the very prayer of Christ. 
Yeah, and one of the things I've been pondering around that idea is that my hope would be as I would go to Mass or a family is going to Mass, that they're going, if, if they've registered and, and they're able to be present physically in the space, that they carry in their heart those who they know aren't able to be physically present but are praying with them maybe online or they're at home praying quietly in union um, with, with those who are gathered in that Eucharistic liturgy, but that we who are able to be physically present, knowing that we are the body of Christ and that we're all intimately connected because of baptism, can keep those who are not physically present there in our heart and mind so that they too are present in that spiritual manner. And what a gift, too, to be able to carry that or to, to in a sense, to honor. Um, you know, if you know there's an elderly neighbor who's not, not attending because of health or whatever it might be, obviously, that you can, you know, be with her or him and, and carry them and their intentions with you um, to the physical space. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so and so even in the beginning of Mass, uh, where the collect, right, the, mm-hmm. the the opening collect, the opening prayer, uh, which as we've spoken about on our show many times, it's meant to do exactly that. It's meant to gather all of the prayers of the people who are there for that celebration. But your point is. Maybe this coming Sunday, not only do I recollect my own prayers, my own concerns, the prayers that I bring on this day, but that I also bring and offer up the prayers of those I know who are not here. What, what a connection that gives us to the larger body of Christ that prays the liturgy every time we enter into it. And, and an opportunity, I think, uh, with that is if you have children— um, and you know, you know, let, maybe this is, uh, I don't know if this is even feasible, but in my mind it works out is, you know, maybe you, you say to Johnny and Susie as the kids that I would, I would like you to, to really, during this particular Mass, pray specifically for Grandma Judy or our neighbor Bob, you know, whatever it might be, can you do that during this Mass? And that becomes a teaching moment about not only the body of Christ and community, here in this place, but it could provide a space and opportunity to talk about the communion of saints, and that those who have gone before us are praying for us, and that that's what we're all united and connected in this Eucharistic liturgy. Oh my gosh, yeah. So one one way, and, and again, it's human, I get it, but one way to look at the um, the this, this particular um, health protocol is oh my gosh, uh, this church seats a 1,000 and there's only 150 that are allowed in. Or, or, or the neighboring church that says this, seat, uh, this, this church seats 200 and so there's only 25 of us allowed in. No matter what, no matter what the, the situation is at the parish of any of our listeners, when that body gathers around the ambo and the altar of the Lord, that is the body of Christ at that moment in that space. And we can't right. forget, we can't forget that. Yes. Even though it may be, um, I mean, and the body of Christ never lacks, right? I mean, it, it, it is no matter how small and how few it is still the body of Christ head right. and members gathered together, uh, on the Lord's day. Yeah, no. And, and you, this is, you made me think of this story, but this is a little bit random. Um, but it goes to show you that, that children are paying attention in some sense. 
of just that when we gather, we are the body of Christ. So I was recently talking to my friend Paul from graduate school, and he has uh, uh, three children. And the youngest uh, is um, just beginning to kind of know what's going on at Mass and whatnot. And they recently went, you know, uh, he's a music director in Ohio. And uh, his son after Mass asked why the servers were, were fewer um, why they had to do it. Like, he was very inquisitive about why all these changes, because he knew that it was different than before. And what I loved about the story that my friend Paul shared with me was that when they got home, because he was asking these questions and kind of asking where everybody was, um, you know, it was a smaller group, that they had an opportunity to sit and talk about the changes, but that we are the body of Christ still. And, and that even though your, your friend isn't here, you're still praying with, that friend and vice versa yeah so uh hopefully that wasn't too random but that that sparked that that uh story about that even children will notice some of these differences and it is an opportunity to to help them understand and break it open yep yep exactly and i I don't think that was random at all that's exactly what uh, what i think we're talking about here in terms of um even with limited numbers that are allowed in the deeper reality, the deeper theological truth, the deeper spiritual reality okay. is that that is still the body of Christ gathered. When we come back from this break, let's take a look at some of the other specific guidelines that we find ourselves in. We'll be right back. Stay with us for more Focus on the Liturgy. gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Since 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. 
go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119. Thank you. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. Listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on 7.50 a.m. We are entering the second half of our show. And if you're just joining us, I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I'm Timothy Johnson from Liturgy Training Publications. And we're talking about the reopening protocols that are part of just about every diocese in the province of Illinois. Um, Just about a month ago, parishes were allowed to begin celebrating Sunday Mass with limited numbers, beginning to celebrate the sacraments with limited numbers. And these protocols that are in place can be seen by many of us as detriments. They can be seen as things that make the celebration of the liturgy less. They can be seen as even, um, you know, uh, 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 impediments to uh, a real celebration of the liturgy. And Timothy and I um, wanted to spend some time kind of arguing against that, saying, no, these these uh, aspects of health protocols, they can still have um, a, a, a theological connection. They can still have a spiritual connection um, in terms of the, the celebration of the liturgy. So, for example, Timothy, remember in that before that last break, we were talking about, yeah, we're limited in our numbers, but our listeners need to remember that part of our Catholic understanding is that whoever gathers as the body of Christ, then that is the body of Christ present there, head and members. Right. And, and that, the, the, that the, the, the limited numbers uh, protocol doesn't affect that. Similarly with uh, another protocol that we're all familiar with, the, the idea of social distancing. That's certainly in uh, society, and it's in uh, our celebration of the liturgies of the Church as well. That idea of keeping 
uh, at least six feet apart. That is that that is the principle of social distancing. And, and one of the things that I think we might be able to find in terms of a deeper meaning is how how we still, in spite of having to remain distant from one another, how we still are present to one another when we gather to celebrate the liturgy. Yeah, I, I, well, several things come, on my, come to my mind, but one of the first things is that by social distancing, even though it, it's not our norm, um, you know, but right now it is the, is, the, is the context, it is respecting your neighbor. It's, it's helping, um, and hopefully in doing so, and being attentive to those markings on the floor um, or the places where the seatings have been marked and you've been uh, sat, is that by doing so, you have a new awareness or you're being at least called to attention to be attentive to your neighbor oh, in wow. a different way than maybe you have been. And I think there's a way of, of turning that uh, into a positive experience to say, I'm honoring um, my neighbor in this particular way during this time. I'm going to respect the space. I'm going to um, hopefully, by doing so, keep them healthy and keep myself healthy, keep my family healthy. You know, And, and so I think there is some, some wisdom um, that can be gleaned from that. Um, it, you know, so being attentive to your neighbor in a new way, I think, is a gift that, that might come from this. Oh, my gosh. So the, I don't look at this as um, something that separates us, but in some ways, this is something that can help even bring us closer together in terms of my awareness of those around me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, so often, um, I, 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 think, I think often for many people, they can look at the celebration of Sunday Mass as this is my personal prayer. Well, as we've said many times on the show, it isn't. It's the prayer of all those who are gathered. And so um, seeing the distance that I have to maintain between me and those around me isn't... Sometimes we, you know, we're not even aware of those who are around us at Mass. Right, right. This really calls us to be aware of one another. Yeah, it, it really invites us, and, and I don't know, this is the best way I can kind of say it, but it invites us to see one another, and I mean that oh in, the, in, in the best sense of that is because oftentimes when we get into our pew, we have our favorite pew or our favorite side of the church or whatever, and, and we may or may not say hello to those around us, or we may recognize a few people, but this, I think, really invites us to see people and to respect and to love them in a, in a profound way that we can practice and hopefully then carry forward um, as, as we move hopefully into a, a new future down the road when the virus is understood more. Oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, but, but looking to your neighbor to your left, your right, or the front, you know, wherever they're obviously seated, but, but who are they? Do I know them? And again, asking yourself if you can pray with and, and hold that maybe new face in your heart as you um, pray along with Eucharistic prayer or those intercessions come along. Because um, we don't know everyone's story in our parish, uh, in the pews. And so, yeah, I think it really is a, a unique opportunity to, to see differently. And, and, to, and, to see one, and to see one another differently. And to see one another. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the things, and this, I don't want to get us off topic, but one of the things I've been thinking about 
during the social distancing uh, uh, piece around the liturgy itself was my time at Marquette um, in Milwaukee uh, with the student liturgy. You know, we would have um, our 6 p.m. or 4 p.m. mass, excuse me, um, at the big church, Jesu, in, in Milwaukee. And um, Milwaukee, just as Chicago, has a, a homeless population. And oftentimes, the Eucharistic liturgy was a refuge for that community. And they would come, and they would sit with students. Students would bring um, and accompany some of the homeless folks. And I've been thinking about that during this time as well, like how our churches aren't as accessible in the same way, um, and how some people who, whether homeless or not homeless, we're finding refuge in the church, but aren't able to in the same way. And I think that's why it's even more important when we are attending um, the liturgy and we're present to keep those people in mind yeah. and to see those people um, in new ways because they're hurting in a different way. Um, they're, sometimes their safety net has been shifted. Um, and And so we can't forget about those uh, as we've been saying, right? Um, we're all in this together, yep. and, and they're they're part of our community. Yep. Um, um, even those who are on the margins and who may only we may have only seen at certain times of the year or a few times a year, they're still part of our community, and we still hold them um, in this in, in this place. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and one of the elements uh, or, or aspects, I should say, of the social distancing is the um the 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 no physical contact right and so part right. of part of that guideline is is to not have physical contact with with anyone else and you mentioned this earlier in the show then how do you see the sign of peace i mean it's it's interesting in the roman missal there is no directive for how the sign of peace is shared in in our society in our culture it has developed into a handshake well, with the social distancing and the protocol to not have physical contact, what does that do for the sign of peace? A very, um, you know, I I, th- I think it's 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 a, a profound moment in the liturgy. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be uh, an interesting opportunity for community even to do theological reflection. So, on a practical note, um, I find I have found this is more about me, um, and then I'll I'll share what I was going to say, but I. I have found it interesting that a lot of dioceses across the country, including here in our region, have, have remained or kept the sign of peace um, in the Yes, yes. Because it is something that can be, um, uh, I don't omitted. know what the right word is, it can, omitted. It can you. be omitted for specific situations. Um, and, and we know that during H1N1, a lot of dioceses did that um, for various reasons and whatnot. So in some ways, I'm I'm kind of happy they didn't. And... Um, I think it really does provide an opportunity uh, to think about what it means to, to share peace differently. And one of the things that, that I, an image that always comes back to me, um, even in normal times, is when I was a graduate student at St. John's in Collegeville, Minnesota, the entrance procession of the monks, when the monks at the Benedictine Abbey come into the church, they come in two by two, they bow to the altar, and then they turn to bow to one another. And I've seen this happen in other other communities in different ways. And that particular image always comes back to me regarding even the sign of peace. You know, that whole oh. idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, in, and I think in many places, the, uh, the, the, here in, in the Midwest, 
the the priest, the presider, and across the country, of course. But you know, we'll say um, in in a particular parish, uh, at the sign of peace, we we encourage you to turn and to bow to one another. Yeah, that I mean, think about it, Timothy. We bow to the altar. We bow before we're incensed at the preparation of the altar. Mm-hmm. We bow to the uh, the the cross. Um, all of. So, and the Eucharistic species before yeah, we receive yes, it. Yes, 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 and and to the Eucharistic species. So we we so we bow to those images of Christ. What does it mean then, when I turn at the sign of peace and bow toward those around me? There's that's an act of reverence. That, yeah, that's an act of honor. You know. Well, and it makes me think of you know when we even in, in that that act of honor when we say and with your spirit you know, to the to that dialogue within the liturgy, there's a similar, and maybe I'm stretching that a little bit, but I think the the profound bow towards one another, and it isn't just a quick, but, but there needs to be intention and the bodily posture that embraces what the prayer or that gesture is doing. And, and I sense, and in a sense it is, and with your spirit, yeah. what animates you, the person who you are and have been created in the image and likeness of God. And we do that with a profound reverence and respect. To one another. Yeah. Exactly. Let's pick it up there when we come back. Stay with us for more Focus on the Liturgy right after these messages. people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass is a wonderful tradition that gathers more than 300 seniors from Chicago and its suburbs each year for a celebration of faith and friendship. Since public health guidelines do not allow us to meet in person this summer, the 2020 Senior Unity Mass will be held online on Thursday, August 6th at 11 a.m. Anyone age 55 plus is cordially invited. Find your nearest computer and log in to youtube.com, then type Catholic Chicago. We and our special guests are excited to stay connected to all of the seniors we care so very much about with this special event. That's the Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass on August 6th at 11 a.m. on youtube.com slash catholicchicago. 
We hope to see you there. Since 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. Go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119. Thank you. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy. I'm Todd Williamson. And I'm Timothy Johnson. We are actually looking at the various components of the so, the uh, health protocols uh, that guide our celebration of the liturgy and the sacraments. And uh, our our purpose by focusing on that in the show is is to dig a little deeper and to see if we can't make some some deeper connections. And so many people look at these as a loss. And yes, they do. They do mod- certainly modify the celebration uh, and our experience of the liturgy. But we can we can see some connections if we look at these. So, for example, Timothy, before that last break, we were talking about the sign of peace with physical contact and just how experiencing it in a new way in many places for example they're uh, encouraged to to bow to each other I mean that that is sharing the peace of Christ and remember the gospel accounts uh, of, of uh, the very first gift of the risen Christ that is right. the gift of his peace involved no physical contact Right. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, it even spoke against that in many ways. And this is what I mean by that: the risen Christ, not bound by physical law, <laughs> entered into yeah. that room anyways, and shared, as I say, his very first gift with the apostles was peace. And 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 that and then you know that 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 involved no physical contact. Yeah, and I I think it's a great uh, yeah that's a great way to to kind of consider this, um, you know because a lot of places um, or we've certainly all seen within our parishes you know people waving the peace sign or waving to somebody in the back, and and maybe there is some something okay about that but I would as we've been talking that profound gesture of bowing there is something already intimately connected. To the gesture and posture of how we reverence things within the liturgy itself, and so if you haven't been doing that, definitely see what that looks like in the coming weeks um, within your family, within within the situation at, at the church. The, the that whole idea, you know, at this moment, this is a ritual sharing of the peace of Christ, a peace he tells us that the world cannot give. This is unique. This is different. This isn't a, a meet and greet moment in the liturgy. Right. But this is the ritual sharing of the peace of Christ, his very first gift, 
um, after after rising uh, from the dead. I mean, so 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 seeing a deeper connection there, even even with um, with uh, hand sanitation, <laughs> I, I I know how I know how corny this might sound, Timothy, but I I don't do that without recalling the words of the priest during the washing of the hands in the liturgy of the Eucharist. And I, and I cannot do that without the words coming to my mind, Lord, wash me from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. I, I, again, I know how corny that might sound, but <laughs> even, even to see within that, right, a, 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 deeper, a deeper meaning. I am not advocating for, uh, you know, additional purification rites once we come out of the pandemic. But even to see within that, make a connection uh, deeper than simply the, 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 the needed physical cleansing right. of my hands. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a great um, uh, thing to reflect upon. And I would imagine many, some of our listeners, maybe not many, but some of our listeners don't, didn't know that prayer specifically. Um, right, right, know. right. Yes, because it's said inaudibly uh, right. during the preparation rites. The, the, the server comes and pours water over the priest's hands, and, and to himself he prays this, this, that prayer. Lord, cleanse me from my sin, and uh, wash me from my sin, and cleanse me from my iniquities. It's, and, and that's an echo back to Psalm 51, correct? Right, right, exactly. It, so it is, yeah, I mean, it's a great... Even, yeah, even as you said, like, you know, we're not advocating a new ritual eventually, but in this moment, we're using that as the example of, well, can I reflect on that in my own life? Just as the priest is going to do as he's washing his hands, um, but as I need to purify when, or sanitize when I come into the church or even before communion, whatever uh, that is, can I also reflect upon about the purity of my own heart and mind as we gather together as body of Christ? and prepare to receive Holy Communion. Oh my gosh, I think yeah. that's beautiful. Timothy, we have five minutes left. There's a couple other things, and we haven't even gotten through all of the things, like like usual, what we, initially, like usual. <laughs> what we initially planned. But there is one thing I'd like to, to see if we can't help the listeners make a deeper connection to. Because in many places, it is seen as such a, a painful uh, protocol. And that is, um, at, at least at this time, uh, we are saying no congregational singing. And how that plays itself out in many places is that the uh, the cantor uh, might take the part uh, and and sing, you know, the responses or, or or lead the hymns. But that the congregation and and just real quickly for our listeners, that is for. Um, that that is truly for a concrete safety reason. When you sing, you expel air more forcibly. Mm-hmm. When you sing, you expel um, further uh, airborne risks. The uh, aerosols and the droplets are are because you are because you you expel that air with more force when you're singing. So this is truly a concrete me- measure of safety. But even in that. I think I think that can draw us to, as you and I said in preparing for this show, Timothy, a deeper awareness of um, how interior participation is still active participation. Right. You can still, as the cantor is is singing, what a big psalm, that gathering hymn, the different pieces. You are you can meditate upon those words interiorly. You're praying those words. You could. Um, I mouth them. I, I, yeah. I mouth them silently and uh, along with the, the the song leader. 
Yeah, I was just going to try to explain, like, you know, when I was teaching music to elementary kids, uh, trying to help them to even understand what it means to visually sing without having to verbalize. Oh, wow. And, oh, wow. And, and that's a hard thing to kind of do, or, you know, to explain. But yeah, like you said, mouth the words. Like, you can, you can sing that song in your head. And in your heart. Um, and in your heart. Like, you're going to, it can come to life um, and, and still be powerful. Um so, so definitely don't just tune out. Um, and again, maybe it's a different opportunity for you to hear that song differently, the Holy Holy, that gathering song, the, you know, whatever part. Singing of, the like Gloria? Gonna, the Gloria, yeah. And any of those, like, how, how are you going to hear it differently now that, it's, that you aren't able to voice it in the same way? You're singing in your heart and you're hearing someone else proclaim it uh, in a way. So it, it's an invitation as well as a lament, but it, it, but don't get caught up in the lament, you know, get caught up in the interior participation. Exactly. And so many people look at that and they say, well, no, no, the, the Second Vatican Council called for the full active and conscious participation. And one of the ways I think we've really made that connection is in singing the hymns, the psalms, yeah. the responses. And now, but now we see this and we say, oh, now I can no longer actively participate because I can't sing. No, you can exactly in the ways that we just uncovered just and just kind of broke open there, Timothy. Right, because act- actively doesn't mean I need to be doing everything. And, and I think we've talked a little bit about that before on the show, is I can actively participate um, in by being present, by being silent even. Um, and so the actively being, you know, participating in normal times, yes, we would want you to actively speak the words of and course. songs and whatnot. But in this time that active participation does look different, and that's okay. We, we do that even in normal times. Pope Benedict, you know? Pope Benedict spoke and wrote about this an awful lot during his papacy. Mm-hmm. How, that, how that, even the way we just described <clears throat> following along, maybe mouthing what we would not consider to be, you know, active, it is, it is. Interior participation is, is still active participation. Right. And people, I, I think this is part of the Archdiocesan Guidelines. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but there aren't hymnals or worship aids, right? Correct. And so I do think, even with that in mind, it's an even better invitation, or maybe more profound invitation, because you're really forced to focus and be attentive to that text. Yes. And you hear it very differently than if you're—and I'm not against hymnals by any means, so I don't want anybody to hear that— but, you, you participate very differently um, in that regard. Our purpose of this show was to help our listeners just maybe come to a, a different understanding of some of the health protocols in place right now for the celebration of liturgy and, and maybe to make some deeper connections. Hopefully we were able to do that. Timothy, thanks for this. I think this was a, a great conversation. I do too. Thank you so much. And God bless everyone. We'll see you next month. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.